and welcome to the Perspectives Podcast. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at SVB Private, and I want to thank you for joining me. On today's podcast, we are going to discuss how the landscape of fixed income investing has changed over the last year. With me to dig into this topic are Patty Cow, Head of Asset Management at Silicon Valley Bank, and Garrett Mancini, Head of Fixed Income at SBB Private. Patty and Garrett, how about a brief introduction of how your background and roles here at SBB Financial have unfolded? Patty, I'll start with you. Okay, great. Thanks, Shannon, and thanks for having me today. So SVB Management is a part of the commercial bank at SVB. We manage money for over 600 of some of the largest clients of the bank, uh, corporate treasury clients, and they're ranging from Series A clients to pretty big public companies as well. Um, and as far as my background, I've been in and around markets, mostly bond markets, for over 20 years. Uh, I started on the institutional sell side uh, and I've done stints at the U.S. Treasury Department as well as product development at BlackRock before coming to SVB. Great. Thank you. Uh, Garrett, how about you? Yes. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Patty. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to join you on the podcast today. Um, my name is Garrett Mancini, and I help lead the fixed income team at SVB Private. I come from an analytical background. Uh, I began my career as a performance measurement analyst at Bank of America. And after a number of years, I used that experience uh, and some of the relationships that I had developed to move on and join a company called Boston Private Bank and Trust. Um, I continued as a performance measurement analyst with Boston Private, who at the time had a firm initiative of claiming GIPS compliance and being verified. I like to think I had an idea of what I was getting into, but I did not. Um, that was an incredible amount of work, but what it allowed was for me to really start working closely with all the different groups of the bank and directly with investment teams and with portfolio managers. Um, it gave me an opportunity to understand different strategies and the different mechanics involved. I was eventually given a chance to move on from performance internally and join the fixed income team where I've been now for close to eight years. I've held multiple roles on the team, ranging from analysts to trader to portfolio managers. So I've really become intimate with our strategies, our processes, and really our clients. Um, joining SVB Private has allowed our team to interact with so many new folks. Um, for me, it's really exciting and a new challenge that we all face together as we move forward and grow. As for my role here at SVB, I'd say my role is to really listen to our clients and to design and develop fixed income solutions for them that are competitive, long-lasting, and really unique to their short-term and long-term goals, and then to deliver on those solutions. Great. Thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Um, one of the reasons that we wanted to talk a little bit about fixed income is, as I mentioned, it has a, been a huge year with a lot of changes for fixed income investors, um, some positive some negative, but all represent potential opportunities in, in my mind in terms of where we've come from, from say late 2019 to today. Uh, the impact of the pandemic has been very interesting in terms of what has happened for the fixed income markets. We were entering into a Fed tightening cycle really through 2018 pausing 2019. And then in 2020, obviously, the Fed had to get very aggressive um, in terms of accommodated monetary policy to react to what was happening in the credit markets uh, due to the pandemic, and really uh, infused a significant amount of liquidity into the markets during that period, cutting rates. Um, and we've already 
had a, an extremely uh, large increase over the past decade in the balance sheet at the Fed. Um, and now we're entering into this new phase of normalization. That normalization has been reflected in the performance of the bond market uh, through much of 2022. And yet, um, for many fixed income investors, um, those who are trying to maximize uh, the use of their balance sheet uh, to you know everyday savers, uh, the environment has certainly become more attractive than the zero rate environment, often known as TINA, or there is no alternative to stocks for many years. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to my guests um, who are expert in this area. Patty, if you don't mind, I'm going to start with you. Uh, can you talk about the challenges that you're hearing from your clients in meeting their needs in this environment, as I've just described? Yeah, that was a great summary. Um, and definitely it's a challenging environment. I'll start kind of bigger picture and then hone in a little closer on, you know, some of our day-to-day -day investment decisions. But I think the the upshot of it is really kind of the volatility and the overhang of the economic environment, right? Um, you know, our clients year to date, as you'd mentioned, you know, the market has had a lot of volatility. If I look at our public companies um, that are on our roster, you know, their aggregate market capitalization is down pretty significantly. So that presents a number of challenges for them uh, in terms of the funding environment, in terms of their ability to reinvest back in their businesses. Um, and in terms of just, you know, what the outlook is looking like, I know we'll get to this, but, you know, the Fed is really indicated that it is data dependent. And I think we're all watching to see whether they can avoid a hard landing uh, and tip us into you know, a full-blown recession. So I would say those are some of the big picture challenges that face not just my client base, but, you know, probably everybody. Um, as far as the investing environment for fixed income, um, yesterday was exactly six months since Fed liftoff. Um, and since then, we've had really um, not unprecedented, but, you know, really the first time in 30 years that we've had a rate move this large, this quickly. Um, so that's leading to some difficult conversations uh, around, you know, mark to markets uh, and unrealized losses in, you know, some existing positions uh, in client portfolios. Um, but I think the flip side is, um, you know, the good news is that yields are back, right? We're not quite at 4% yet, um, but 4% is meaningful. If a client has, you know, a 24-month runway, uh, that's a whole extra month of burn. Um, so, you know, I would say that there are opportunities here. Um, sometimes I joke that fixed income markets are becoming interesting for the first time in 15 years. Um, so I'm going to key in on something that you talked about, and because I think it's important to understand the dynamics that we talk a lot about this enormous infusion of liquidity into the markets in general. Um, but for the clients that you're working with, they were a significant beneficiaries of that liquidity uh, in terms of funding. And so you talk about the increase in cash burn. Um, how, you know, how agile do you have to be on a day-to-day -day basis in understanding the potential changes in that cash burn and and how much more interaction are you having with your clients on a day-to-day -day basis because that what I would call fire hoes of liquidity has has uh, has shut down over the course of the last year or so 
Yes, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head. Our clients had been the beneficiary of that liquidity and a lot of it found its way uh, to our management as well. Um, it's actually something that we pride ourselves in as somewhat unique in the world of investment management. Um, because of whom we serve in the innovation economy, our clients' uh, cash balances do some funny things. They burn, uh, they raise, they sometimes acquire, they sometimes make big capital expenditures that are unanticipated. So absolutely, we are in touch with them. You know, if not daily, then certainly frequently enough um, across the roster. Um, and I'd say, you know, maybe anticipating uh, where you're going next, you know, how are they reacting to this? I think there's a couple different paths. Um, some are keeping some additional liquidity as a precautionary measure, um, for sure. Uh, and others are actually increasing their risk appetite. Uh, I mean, you know, within the contours of a corporate cash portfolio, right? So that can mean a little extra duration, maybe some extra spread risk. Um, and then some are doing both, right? Uh, as more of a barbell approach, uh, holding more cash, but also taking additional risk with those, um, those investment balances. Great, thank you. Uh Garrett, conversely, um, you know, we really focus here in the private bank where I sit here as the chief investment officer, obviously, um, on individual clients, families, individuals, uh, you know, and not-for-profits. How, you know, what are the differences or perhaps similarities um, for teams such as yours in building out portfolios in this environment? Um, and maybe you can expand upon some of the themes that, that Patty just talked about. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's certainly a challenging environment. And, and Patty touched on a lot of the challenges that we're facing. You know, rising rates and negative returns are easy ones to mention. Um, tight inventory on the front end of the curve where it's really hard to find spread and quality names. Uh, the speed at which anything that looks like value trades um, all def definitely challenges. But I'd say the biggest challenge we face is managing client expectations when in this environment, it feels like things can really change pretty drastically based on a headline or a single data point. Um, you know, look, rates rates are up 150, 350 basis points across the treasury curve here today. Most would see that as a tremendous opportunity to invest, you know, being up one and a half, three and a half percent compared to the beginning of the year. But the move has been so quick and so sudden that what looked like a great opportunity in the first half of the year now looks like you were probably a little early to the game. And it's really easy to get lost in the short-term volatility, particularly when you're looking at an appraisal of unrealized losses. The client feels it, advisor feel it, uh, we feel it too. So for me, my challenge in this environment is to help clients maintain focus on their long-term goals and what we are trying to actually accomplish in their overall fixed income allocation, which for the most part is principal preservation and income generation while generating a modest return on a risk adjusted basis. That's not to say we don't recognize what new opportunities are in the market. We always say that with these challenges come opportunity uh, and we've been able to capitalize on them for a number of our different clients. We've even developed new strategies to take advantage of the rising rate environment particularly focused on the front end of the curve to serve as investment solutions for cash. So we are taking advantage of the volatility that we see in the markets and doing our best to incorporate them tactically into our strategies. But it is important for our clients to keep perspective on their long-term goals and what the fixed income allocations are truly intended to do, especially in balanced. To expand on that, 
one of the things that we're looking at in overall flows, for instance, whether it's at the institutional level, um, whether or whether it's in private clients or family offices, you know, is this reallocation from risk assets uh, in in areas such as public equities to fixed income, just given the shifting dynamic in terms of, of the opportunity for yield. Are, are you hearing that from clients? Are you hearing, and is that being received in a positive way that they're happy that they potentially can take um, some of the additional risk off the table and earn a yield that is commensurate with their needs from a portfolio perspective? That's a really good question. With, with rates having been so low for so long, I think that a lot of portfolio allocations were naturally underweight fixed income, and, and rightfully so. No one really wanted to talk about fixed income portfolios when we were eking out one, one and a half percent, and equities were up double digits, right? I'd say that higher rates have definitely brought fixed income back into a lot of the overall investment conversations. The advisors we work with did a great job really at the beginning of the year, taking advantage of the higher equity market trimming individual equity positions that had outperformed and reallocating those proceeds to fixed income as rates increased, slowly moving their portfolios back towards a, a neutral allocation. I wouldn't say that we've seen an outright selling of overall equity, at least not on a mass scale. Maybe that's due to the recent pullback in the stock market, but we are reinvesting maturities with more regularity. We're seeing high cash balances put to work. And that's really something I alluded to earlier. The movement in short-term rates finally has investors asking what to do with their cash balance. They are looking at fixed income to offer some cash solutions, particularly with any targeted liabilities or cash needs they may have. So I think people are starting to look at fixed income as a way to get creative for their clients um, and a way to minimize risk, but not to the point where they're fully de-risking their portfolios and moving out of equities despite your reference to the higher relative value offered by fixed income in today's yield. Great. Thanks, Garrett. Um, one of the things I really wanted to touch on, because this has been a theme in the in investment world, but also an important area of focus here at SVB. Patty, could you add a few thoughts on how your team is thinking about ESG alignment to sort of shift the conversation away from, from just the financial? Yeah, no problem. Um, ESG is something we've all been hearing about for some time, and it's actually picked up in the press recently, and it's also a personal interest of mine. Um, as far as our clients go, um, you know, remember, these are corporate treasury clients of the commercial bank. Um, we have a relatively small but growing interest in ESG and impact investing um, from a couple different angles. Uh, some, I think, are looking, you know, quite frankly, just to signal um, some, you know, halo effect, goodwill uh, alignment, um, but others actually have some very thoughtful mission-driven approaches um, that are, you know, trying to align with their core purpose, their footprint, their, you know, presence in the communities where they operate. Um, so it's actually a pretty wide range. Uh, as far as how we're approaching it, um, we are still learning. Um, I think our goal for the near future is to adopt a greater sense of urgency around the integration of ESG factors uh, into our investment process You know, at a pretty high level. Uh, at the moment, we are able to offer an ESG strategy that relies predominantly on some of the work that you know, third-party ratings um, have done, uh, ratings entities uh, have done with respect to evaluating the environmental, social, and governance characteristics of you know, issuers that we might invest in. 
Um, and I think at a minimum, what that does is allows our clients to be a little more selective about, you know, avoiding certain uh, unattractive activities. Uh, I think the common ones are tobacco and firearms, um, or perhaps just nudging their portfolios a little higher in terms of uh, companies that or issuers that score a little better relative to their sector peers. Um, now, remember our degrees of freedom are a little bit limited because we uh, invest in short duration fixed income, but you know, I think on the margins, it, it does allow our clients um, to have better alignment of their portfolios with their values. It's certainly something that we've all heard a lot about. Um, and I think to your point, attempting to apply uh, a, a level of evaluation, but not necessarily detracting from the great work that your team is already doing is always an important part of this process. Um, and so I appreciate you going into some detail. Bringing all of this together, uh, you know, I think one of the things that we continue to hear from clients and, and out in the investment universe is, you know, where are the, the biggest opportunities as well as the biggest risks? And so if I could ask you, I know it's hard. Uh, we're all uh, spending a lot of time thinking about both opportunities and risks, and there are a myriad of them um, in this uncertain environment. We've got uh, a Fed that's uh, running off a balance sheet for the first time, uh, and we, we really haven't seen that before. What will that do to financial conditions? Uh, you know, how how far behind is the Fed and does that data dependency, you know, potentially become um, their Achilles heel uh, as they if they're looking at the wrong types of data? Um, so for each of you, just, you know, one or two of the biggest risks and opportunities that you see today to, to close out and leave our listeners with. Uh, Garrett, I'll start with you. Sure. So. I actually think an aggressive Fed uh, is going to lead to a tremendous opportunity in the markets. And I really think it's staring at us in the face on the dot plot. I mean, the Fed has made it clear that they plan on overshooting the long-term Fed funds rate, driving rates past the neutral rate to get inflation under control. The market, in turn, is going to respond and do the same thing and end up oversold. I think this is going to lead to more opportunity to lock in really um, some higher yields, especially on the front end of the curve, before we see a general rally in the rate market. Um, I do think that rally will be driven by a Fed that ends up under-delivering on the market's projected rate hikes, or if by some chance, and Patty, you referenced this earlier, they're so aggressive that we end up in a deep recession. If we have a deep, sustained recession, there will be a flight to safety and bonds will rally, especially high quality. I'd say the biggest risk I see over the next several years is, is likely in low quality credit and high yield. We are coming off historically low rates and spreads that have allowed some of these lower quality, more stretched financially companies to refinance their debt and kind of kick the can down the road. It's brought a lot of companies um, some time to figure things out. With rates moving higher, those companies' cost of capital are going to increase. And for some, that won't paint a very good outlook. Uh, leading to potentially some downgrades, especially in those companies with management teams that haven't seen an inflationary environment like this. Um, so for me, keeping, a, keeping an eye out for any spikes in credit spreads is, is something to keep an eye on and a risk. Great. Thanks, Garrett. I appreciate that. Patty, how about you? 
Yeah, I agree with Garrett. He made some great points there. I think, um, you know, adding fixed income here from a risk reward perspective is, you you know, you're starting to get rewarded. Um, and, you know, in the downside, uh, that that flight to quality is going to provide you some principal protection as well and even some, you know, capital appreciation opportunity. Um, look, this is an incredibly difficult macro environment. As much as we all love to say, you know, we have the Fed nailed, like we know their call, um, you know, they've indicated that they are going to be data dependent and there's a lot of other, you know, whether geopolitical or just other macro factors at work here. Um, but I think the opportunity is also the biggest challenge. You know, Garrett identifies a few um, from a tactical perspective. You know, we're potentially in the early stages of the end of over three decades of a bond bull market, right? Um, so where does that go from here? Um, it means that the opportunities are there, but it's going to be incredibly difficult. There's a market timing perspective in terms of when is the right time um, to lock those yields in. Um, and I think that's pretty much an open field for managers to demonstrate their prowess, right? Both on the way down uh, in terms of, you know, loss avoidance, um, as well as, you know, on the way back up. Um, and this is where maybe, you know, uh, active management matters, right? Um, is what they sometimes say about the bond market. Um, and I think, you know, another piece worth mentioning is there's, you know, kind of a half a generation of investors uh, that have spent their careers in a zero rate environment. Um, so I think the, the next few years will be interesting. Thank you so much, Garrett and Patty. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your thoughts with the audience. And I thank all of you again for listening in. We'll keep digging into topics that impact your financial future. So tweet me at Shannon Sakosha if there's something you'd like us to cover in a future podcast. You can also read our latest perspectives on the market, the economy, financial planning, and where we go from here by visiting the link on this podcast page. Be sure to subscribe to SVB Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. And I look forward to coming to you again very soon. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The proceeding does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained at advisorinfo.sec.gov. The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the authors and or participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of SVB Financial Group, Silicon Valley Bank, or any of its affiliates. Banking, lending, and trust products or services are offered by Silicon Valley Bank, a California bank with trust powers. Silicon Valley Bank is a member of the FDIC and of the Federal Reserve System. Silicon Valley Bank is the California bank subsidiary of SVB Financial Group, NASDAQ SIVB. SVB Wealth LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor, offers wealth management services. SVB Investment Services, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC, offers brokerage products and services. 
Both SVB Wealth LLC and SVB Investment Services, Inc. are wholly owned, non-bank subsidiaries of Silicon Valley Bank. Investment products offered by SVB Wealth LLC and or SVB Investment Services, Inc. are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, and may lose value. Not all products and services are offered by all advisors or registered representatives. None of Silicon Valley Bank, SVB Wealth LLC, SVB Investment Services, Inc., or any of their respective affiliates provide legal advice. Estate planning requires legal assistance. Please consult your legal advisors for such guidance. NMLSR ID 442029, Equal Housing Lender. Copyright 2022, SVB Financial Group. All rights reserved. SVB, SVB Financial Group, Silicon Valley Bank, SVB Private, and the Chevron device are trademarks of SVB Financial Group, used under license.